Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games games released each week. You can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus. It's been 5 years and the Geekcast Radio Network would like to give back to you. How you may ask? Well, first of all, we're coming up with a brand new website to be launched June 1st, 2014. In addition to that, there'll be many new features for interactive abilities. So how do you enter into this magical celebration? Well, GeekCast Radio has a contest where you can win some awesome prizes, ranging from comics, Blu-rays, DVDs, trade paperbacks, and comics, and more. How do you enter? Write in your favorite stories of how the GeekCast Radio Network has affected you in the last five years, and how it's unleashed the geek in you. You can also enter by writing reviews on our shows on iTunes. For more information, visit www.geekcastradio.com and click on the banner. So until next time, unleash the geek in you. Welcome to The Pull Bag. Join us as we dig out our latest comics and discuss them with a rotating panel of the GCRN crew. So sit back and enjoy this week's Pull Bag. Hello and welcome to the Pull Bag. Our May 2014 spotlight is 75 years of Man Bat. Oh, I, I'm sorry, Batman. I am your host, T.H.U. and Mike, and joining me for this first episode in a 10-episode arc uh, for the Pull Bag's uh, Bat Month here uh, is J.T. from Saskatoon. Hello, sir. Holy rested metal, Batman. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Holy hole in a donut? Uh, no. No, 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 no. Um, holy Iron Man in a donut. <laughs> holy overused catchphrase. Yeah, exactly. Uh, quite literally. Um, all right. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are here to talk about. Batman. For these ten episodes, I tried to get as much diversity as I could. I'm going to run down this very, very quickly. Here in episode 68, JT and I will cover Batman 66, issues 5 through 8. The last time we were able to talk about this series was in episode 39 of the podcast. Damn. Yeah. So it's been about 30 episodes or so. <laughs> uh... Episode 69 will be Beware the Batman, chapters 1 through 4. We are going by the digital chapters on Comixology. Uh, that'll be Steve Megatron and I. Steve Megatron and I will also cover episodes 70 through 73. Those being Year 1, Dark Knight Returns, The Killing Joke, and A Death in the Family. 
Then in episode 74, Steve and I will uh, close out the board of the Batman with chapters 6 through 12 as apparently um, that series is ending because Cartoon Network doesn't even want to promote the damn cartoon or show it or anything like that. Actually, uh, I found out that they just don't like showing it in North America because no one spends any money. They're actually continued showing new episodes in like New Zealand. Yeah. Well, so Cartoon Network can bite my yeah, rosy red hiney. Yeah, that's a whole other discussion for a whole other episode on a whole different podcast. But here here's the thing, folks. With Boy of the Batman, um it didn't even get a chance to get its legs under it. It had different villains, rogues that we had never that I had never seen before. I never knew of uh, uh, Professor Pig and Mr. Toad. Before that, well, I know of a certain Mr. Toad, but that's a di- completely different wild ride, um, <laughs> you know. Uh, but it didn't even get a chance. And now, because the cartoon series isn't going to be continuing, they're going to also cancel the comic, which sucks because that comic is actually really good. Uh, in the 75th episode of the Pullback, we're going to be going over 75 years of the Cape and Cowl for Batman. This is going to be. A full-on, full-tilt Batman retrospective episode with myself, Steve Megatron, Dave Draper from Toy World Order, and Doug Abel from Talking About My Generation. Uh, you're also going to hear JT doing his Just the Facts, as well as other Bat fans giving their impressions and voice clips, etc., etc., etc. Now, you might be saying, but TFU and Mike, over on GeekCast Radio two years ago, you guys did the same thing in episode 39. Yes, we did. Uh, we were ahead of the curve when it came to the 75th anniversary. We celebrated the 73rd anniversary. Uh, episode 75 of the pullback is going to kind of have the same feel. It's going to go over the animation, the movies, the music, the games, video games. Uh, but we're going to really heavily talk about the comics since this is a comic podcast discussion-based thing. Episodes 76 and 77 are the Court and City of Owls arcs for the new 52. And then capping it all off... Episode 78 is Death of the Family, the new 52 storyline where the Joker uh, came back to reclaim his face. Um, Literally. We were, yeah. <laughs> we were going to do episode 79 as Batman's Zero Year and have a discussion on, on Zero Year, but since DC's editorial staff can't get it together... And since um, they wanted to give Greg Capolo more time, they pushed back zero year a month. So uh, the final issue doesn't come out, I think, until June or maybe even July. So, yeah, we nixed zero year off, off the 75th anniversary coverage because it just just wasn't going to happen. If they had kept to the schedule, uh, it would have happened. But, uh, but, yeah, that's Batman month for you. Um, JT, really quickly, uh, give me your top three reasons why you like Batman. The car, the toys, and the villains. And by toys, I mean the gadgets. Ah, okay then. All right, so we're going to take a quick break and come back with Batman 66, issues 5 through 8 after this. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. 
Alright, first up today is Batman 66, number 5. Uh, the Sandman Awakens and Introducing Batgirl. Um, I'm one of those people that, if a cover doesn't strike me, I look for if there is a variant cover. We talked about this on the, the very first pullback after dark about variant covers. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one of the ones where it's like, okay, can you shorten, like, the regular cover? Can you, like, make all the Batman and Sandman things smaller and make the Batgirl little circle thing larger, please? And they had a a variant cover that actually predominantly featured Batgirl, but it was going for astronomical amounts of money. Um, Yeah, I've seen uh, online something like what people are paying for that particular alternate cover, and I was just kind of like, okay. It's just... Like, I don't understand... Like, I can understand, but I also don't understand why people would pay so much goddamn money for a comic book cover. But I'm a fine one to talk, so... Yeah, I don't understand why they can't make it at least... Variant covers for me... If I have to pay an extra... Like, instead of... Three ninety nine for a Batman cover. If 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 the variant cover for say Scott Snyder's Batman is four ninety nine or six, I don't mind paying that. I I won't ever pay for a variant cover over ten dollars. There's no way in hell I would. I mean, just no way. I mean, it it the only way I would ever pay for a variant cover that was over seven ninety nine would be if it came. You know those Hallmark voice cards. Yeah. If it was a 1994 Black Cat voice card with Jennifer Hale doing the voice of Black Cat, that's the only way I would ever pay more than $8 for a variant cover. Um, anyway, Batman yeah. 66, number <laughs> five. Yeah, if we're talking variant covers, that's that's a conversation that should use the should begin with the caveat, in the land of the hypothetical. <laughs> exactly. Or, if I had to make you stupid money. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, all right, so this issue, the first story, uh, in the private study at Stately Wayne Manor, the bat phone is ringing. Um. <laughs> and I, I never, honestly, before reading this issue, wondered what, like, the sound effect for the bat phone would look like, you know, written out. <laughs> I thought it was just like, beep, beep. No, it's more of a tweep, tweep. Okay, you know. And then there's, you know, Aunt Harriet is like, oh, Dick, you know, you'll catch your death of cold. Yeah. You know, and it's just, and, and, and I, I love the thing, like, the Aunt Harriet in this series has never been made to look like, uh... She's intelligent. Yeah. Well, uh, I was thinking of Madge Blake, who played here Aunt Harriet in the show, uh, but it's just like, they they make her just like in the show is like she's this Aunt May analog, you know. It's like I hope you're weary of currents out there. My own husband got swept away on a fishing trip and was never seen again. Yeah, I don't think he got swept away in Aunt Harriet. I think he ran for the hills. Yeah, and I think it's unfair of you to compare Aunt Harriet to Aunt May because well, this Aunt is like May the... is so much better. <laughs> well, not personally, but I mean in the way that she's like fussing over Dick is the way Aunt May, you know, back in the. But... The early Peter, days, yeah. you know, yeah. and then um, Pat, Bruce is like, oh, no fear, Aunt Harriet. 
we're all we'll always wear our flotation vests and then alfred steps in and he's like the phone sir now why do both of them need to go answer a call yeah, I, I love that. It's like, well, Master Grayson models his future dealings on his mentor. And she's like, ah. And, and and that's the one thing I loved about this live action show is like all these cockamamie explanations that Alfred gives her, she just buys the hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, I, I'm going to say here, you know, I, I'm not... Um, I don't know what it is about this series. The first four issues, I think... Two of them I really enjoyed, maybe three. Um, and these ones today that we'll be covering, I just I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the villain. Maybe maybe it's because I don't really. It, it's not that I've never seen the show. I watched the Batman '66 uh, series all the time as a kid on reruns in the '80s. But it just I don't know. Some of these villains that that we'll run into today, I just don't really care for all that much well especially the the first one we're going to run into here i yeah. didn't even i thought he was made up for this comic series i had no idea he no, was in he the was show in... it was the, yep. like i i could must have missed that episode but yeah so batman answers the phone and he hears a chainsaw coming from police <laughs> headquarters so they rush to investigate and no do, do do we really think the supervillain put Commissioner Gordon to sleep, or did this guy is just that he's old and crotchety and he passes out in his chair from time to time? You know, mumbling yeah. about why his daughter needs a motorcycle license for some reason. <laughs> yeah, no, it was the supervillain. Yeah, exactly. because it, it it has to be a supervillain because Gotham City is ripe with crime, even in this campy sixties series it's rife with crime but it's got a police force that you know bends over and kisses its own ass goodbye as soon as somebody with a mask walks into town well no true but i'm saying that the gcpd in the 66 style in the 66 series they should be busy all the time because you've got so many criminals or super criminals out there um and uh, the title of the story, The Sandman Says Goodnight, written by Jeff Parker, art by Ruben Procopio, uh, colors Sorry. by Matthew Wilson. Um, I like the art. I really love the art. Um, and I do still like the general way the story is written in the same tone as the as, the, as the television series. I like that. I just... I'm not up on this whole Sandman character. I just, I just don't care. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, one thing I'm going to mention about the story is, you know, Commissioner Gordon, before he's knocked out by the Sandman, who conveniently enough has left a sizable pile of evidence on his desk. <laughs> he's caught, he's caught first. And again, like we, I've spoken about this in the last episode uh, that we talked about the 66 comic. I know it's, spoken to Mike about this off air is Chief O'Hara and Commissioner Gordon in this series as much as I love the show are completely <laughs> useless like there's the there I forget the episode where you know O'Hara says Batman should you know maybe let the cops handle this and Commissioner Gordon looks up as if he's about to say you shut your whore mouth and this is how useless Commissioner Gordon is in this specific story he called Batman because Chief O'Hara was late to work now it turns 
turns out that there's a reason for that and it's part of the story. But the fact that you have failed so completely at your job that you're calling the masked vigilante that you've got on speed dial because your number number one guy is like five minutes late. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I would have given him at least 15 minutes, you know. Just like, come on. <laughs> the traffic, you know, the Batmobile lost the wheel, the Joker got away again, something. But yeah, so apparently Chief O'Hare is missing and, and the... There's a armored car that was uh, coming to police headquarters and it got uh, ripped off for all the money it was carrying. And then, you know, Commissioner of course, but that location changes every week. It's only known by <gasps> Chief O'Hara. You know, and you just see this look of like utter just holy shit on his face. And Batman's just sitting there. Yeah, yeah I kind of figured that out five minutes ago. Did you not notice the sand all over the place? Yeah. And then, then we turn the page and I love this montage. Oh yeah, it's just I, I love the, the, the line for the security guard. What? I'm supposed to be oppressed by a handful of dirt? Oh no 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 no. The, the montage with um while Sandman and his sleepwalkers plan more devious doings that the, the way that the art is in this and how oh, they Yeah, yeah, where Batman and Robin are Right, the narration and then um, I can't decide if I really believe that uh, Doc Brown. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Stole Batman's line, or if it was vice versa. Yes, I know Back to the Future came out after the 66 television series, but... Every time I see Batman say Great Scott, I, I, I think that Doc Brown's under the mask. Yeah. Especially where they, they show up and I, for a second I thought they were in the coffee shop from Friends. <laughs> Apparently they've been <laughs> up all night and then they're, they're sucking back the Batspresso and you know that's what Batman ordered. Yeah. No, there is no central perk here. Um, that's the other thing. That, like, when they were on that page where they're in the coffee shop drinking the coffee, that's how I thought Sandman was was getting people to go to sleep. Was, you know, put Rohypnol in the coffee or something. Or... <laughs> you spiked Gotham City's coffee supply, the feed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You spiked Batman's coffee, you bastard. <laughs> well, it's not like it's it's not the first time that's happened. I mean, the first episode of the <laughs> the TV series, he basically got roofied after drinking his bat OJ yeah, in a go-go club about five seconds before he started doing the bat Tusi. 
Oh my god, all I can think of now is um, one of the Jeff Dunham specials where Peanut is going, mm, mm, mm. he's making all kinds of dance sounds. <laughs> oh god. Oh, the, uh, when I saw that, the first thing I, when you say that, the first thing I thought of is like that episode of The Simpsons where the bat, where Adam West showed up. Yep. And he started doing the bat two seat homers, just back away slow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, so. Batman and Robin are getting their coffee on, and there's some shenanigans outside. And they look, then the Doc Brown, and then the Sandman's got a tanker truck with a spray cannon on the top, basically spraying everyone in Gotham City with hypnotic sleeping powder. Yeah. And apparently, he, the the Sandman in this series has a very reassuring voice. The, the the best radio announcer ever, you know, lulls you right to sleep. You know, and I'm just like, seriously. And I figured, why not? I mean, they had a guy in Marvel Comics called the Voice of Doom who had shoulder mounted speakers that could make people <laughs> his unwitting slaves. So. All as I can think of, you said shoulder mounted speakers. All I can think of is Jazz from G One when he showed Spike his new stereo system and started blaring it. Um, oh, God, and you say that, and we'll get back on topic in a second. You say that in the first, th- that image, but with the voice of Ironhide from the movies, I just wanted to show my cannons. <laughs> anyway, um, back to DC Comics. So, yeah, so we've got... That, uh, like, I like that. Cover your nose, Robin. We have to get our gas mask. Try not to breathe in the sand. Um... And I guess if this was the comics, Robin would have looked at him and was like, yeah, no duh, but this, it's the Burt Ward Robin. So he's like, sure thing, Batman, sure hope I don't trip and fall face first into a big pile of whatever he's spraying around town. Because it doesn't even look like dust. It looks like giant caramel-covered piles of caramel-covered popcorn. Well, there was one page. Um, Let me see here. Where is it? Uh... The page where you have the, um, uh, especially after your futile manhunt last night, or rather, Sandman hunt. Wow, that's such a horrible pun. That's even worse than half the TV series puns. In that page, you have the sand kind of floating around, and I can kind of see that it's sand and whatever else, but... Yeah. It, well, when it's, it's swirling around like that, but when it's you see it piled up in the street, it looks like giant piles yeah. of popcorn. And I'll, I'll say this: like the the uh, uh, Procopio's art uh, really, really makes the Sandman creepy looking. You know, with yeah, it does the, the dark, deep set eyes and everything, and. I, I still love, even Batman gets out one of his, you know, uh, a litter of threats there. He's like, you suppaphoric Svengali. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, don't ever change Batman. <laughs> but yeah, they're taken out, and I got the digital version of uh, this comic, because I couldn't find the physical copy for our episode here, folks. And I love mm-hmm. uh, the chapters on this thing. It's like, they ended on, a, it's always a two-part chapter cliffhanger, like the old show, and it's like, has the Sandman finally defeated the Keep Crusaders? Will Gotham be known as the city that always sleeps? You know, and then it's the answers come next week instead of tune in tomorrow, same bad time, same bad channel. Yeah. 
I do like, though, the um, – I, I think my favorite part about this entire issue, at least this story and this issue of the of the print comic, is the um, – where Sandman has him uh, – can you hear me? What are you doing now? I'm on patrol keeping Gotham safe. That image there where it's Batman and Robin and Joker and Catwoman, that's just simply awesome. Oh, yeah. And then you get the Batmobile. Oh, my God. It's so cool. I will say that I know it's an artist kind of thing, but I'm not too happy sometimes when the Batmobile is colored blue instead of black like it should be. If this is supposed to be the, based on the 66 series, it should not be 1970s Midnight Blue from the uh, from the Super Friends show. Yeah. Well, I mean, that you was the, the whole thing. Like, Ben and I... Uh, uh, Ben from Animation Aficionados, who I work with sometimes. Uh, we had a conversation about this uh, last week. We were talking about how Batman's costume in the late 70s, or in the 70s into the 80s, became blue and gray, because it was the common misconception that the costume was always blue and gray, because blue is used to highlight black. Yeah. So, I mean, the colorist, you know, obviously went overboard on this issue. The the one thing I gotta say that I like about uh, the the dream sequence, shall we say here? Mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, I, yeah, I like I love that uh, image of uh, as they're going down the dream tunnel, and there's the Riddler and Joker and Catwoman. That would make a great just poster, you know? Put oh like, yeah, yeah, get like a Batman sixty six logo in there somewhere. I do love on the next page following, they're flying through the air and they land in the Batmobile and the row of uh, row of Batman's rogues gallery. You got the Penguin, King Tut, Egghead, uh, Mr. Freeze. And then it even has reference because uh, the, he's basically a sentiment's trying to find the Batcave in this story. And yeah. bat, you see Batman, uh, you say 14 miles northwest of Gotham, Old North Pass, and then that's like that reference to the sign you see every time Batman comes out of the Batcave. You know, as he roars off, he has Gotham City, 14 miles, and well, you know, Batman's probably not obeying the speed limit. He's going like a literal bat out of hell to make that distance, and I just love the whole, all the dream sequence art. Like you further on, you see like the, the T-Rex from the Batcave, the giant choker card, Mm-hmm. you know reference to the thing and how Batman you see even when he's out cold and hypnotized like this his brain's still a crime fighting machine because you know and I love the art where he's like of course this is a dream Yeah, and he starts fighting back and somehow dream logic so shall we say a Robin is uh, brought into Batman's uh Dream. dream because it's not like they're sitting there on the couch and they're talking to each other while they're in this coma so <laughs> yeah I, I batman has granny panties <laughs> the panel before he's like not just a dream but in reality um that image behind the little window image it, it wow they really stretched the design on that it looks like he's wearing granny panties yeah. Yeah, um, but you got to realize that's all pure West. Yeah. 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 yeah I, just, uh, I love the one line. What are you doing, Batman? We're pulling over. We've got to take control of this dream. Yeah, because turning the car around is totally going to fix things. 
And Robin's, what do you mean we're trapped in a dream? Well, I am. You're a construct of my subconscious. And whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's, it was the 60s show. There is so much bullshit. It might as well make sense. Yep. So Batman and Robin both get free. And this is one thing that I don't like about this story, um, outside the fact that it's Sandman. They never explain where Robin was in his own dream because they both fell the fuck asleep. So it wasn't I don't... like... No, they did. Well, no, no. I'm just saying it's. I, I don't think it would have mattered because Sandman was going after Batman to find the location of the Batcave. I... I understand that, but what I'm saying, like, okay, basically what you're telling me is this is a version of, um, um, Inception. what the hell's that? No. Oh, hell no. Um, <laughs> the hell's that Justice League episode? Um, only a dream. This is basically a version of only the dream, o- only the dream that, that two-parter from Justice League where Superman, uh, Flash and Green Lantern all, or not Superman, um, Martian Manhunter, Green Lantern, and Flash all break free of their dreams. Then they go into Hot Girl's dream to save her. So that's basically what this is, with Robin going into Batman's dream. But still, I think that's a lacking part of the story. If Robin's asleep, are they just leaving him asleep? Um, well, they had him strapped up to some sort of medical equipment, and I guess to monitor his brainwaves and that, but... Yeah, it would have been cool to see what Robin was dreaming. Of course, in that one, he's probably the big hero, and Batman's the kid sidekick. And yep, yep. But then we um, get the the traditional bam, kill, pow. Yep, kadunk. Yep. Holy knockout! Yeah, you did do your job, Chief. You put the Sandman to sleep. End. Um. And then that's the most, the most effective police work that O'Hara has ever done that I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he wasn't even trying. It's just like, clothesline. Yeah. Um, that's, um, you know, because these are individual stories within one issue, I don't know, man. I... I don't. I don't think I'm going to rate the issue overall because the second story is actually better than the first. For the first story, it's a lot more coherent. I think. Yeah, I. I gotta say, overall, I. I, I don't want to do this. I. I don't think I, it's very rarely that I use, our rating system on the GCRN that it's on the low end and I, I'm sorry for this specific story for the Sandman story. I had to give it two stars out of five. I said, I disliked it. Uh, it just, the art is great. The art is fine. Uh, the story itself and the fact that it's the Sandman, a character that not even that I don't know that much about him, the character that he, he to me doesn't say 66 Batman. I know he was a villain on the show, but you know, it just doesn't like. I don't know. It would have been interesting if the jo- if this was a Joker story where Joker modifies his his gas or his toxin to do exactly this and put yeah. the Joker in versus having Sandman in. Yeah, I'm because... I'm gonna be a little bit. Uh, I'm gonna give it a three point five. Like I liked it because mm-hmm. this would have been a great episode if it was like part of if it was one of the live action. It was actually in the TV series proper. But yeah, it's a little... 
out there, shall we say? Yep. Yep. So the second story in in uh, issue number five for the print is um, Tale of the Tiger Topaz, written by Jeff Parker, art and color by Colleen Coover, letters by Wes Abbott. Um, this is the Batgirl introduction. I love this. Oh, yeah. Absolutely you, love this. You, using my my least favorite version of Catwoman, no knocking Eartha Kitt, it's just... When I saw her in the 60s show growing up, she creeped the hell out of me. Yeah, she was creepy, but she didn't, like... It wasn't, like, bad. It's just, like, damn, woman. I think out of the three of them, Julie Newmar, Eartha Kitt, and Lee Merriweather, Lee Merriweather was my least favorite. Really? Uh, Yeah. Julie Newmar was my favorite, uh, and Eartha's kind of, like, in between. Um, But... I do like that, and Jeff Parker said this in an interview when the series first started coming out, or when the series was about to debut, that m- all three of the various versions of Catwoman would be used throughout. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I like that. I like that they're paying homage to that and, 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 and doing it that way. I think that's really, really cool. Um, this story here centers around Barbara Gordon, and um, she's at a museum with with Commissioner Gordon, um, and I gotta say, I, I know there are different artists on each of these issues, or, or hell, even even each of the stories in this issue. They're two completely different artists. I really wish in this series they would be consistent with Commissioner Gordon's design because now yeah. he looks like he looks like um, Gordon from. Um, um, crap. Was it not not year one? Was it year one that he was old and white haired and white mustached? No, the... uh, might have been Dark Knight Returns. I don't know. He looks like something out of Dark Knight Returns, or he looks. He just doesn't look. He doesn't look like the '60s television series style of of Commissioner Gordon. Um, yeah, there's a very. Neil Hamilton was the actor who played him in the live action yeah. series, and it's, it, it doesn't look. And that's the measuring stick. You know, you go back to the show, and yeah, it doesn't work for me. Although I do like the design of Barbara Gordon because it very much has that kind of, you know, kind of young, sexy look of Yvonne Craig, who played Barbara Gordon in the show. Yeah, you I know, don't think the hair is colored right, but that's something. That's just that's a nitpick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, although I do love the, uh, I, I like I do love this uh, Colleen's uh, art here. You know, it it works for the series. This she would make a great regular artist if they just had a regular artist on the show or on mm-hmm. the comic, I should say. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? 
Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But you know, Commissioner Gordon has used this stroke to get his daughter in to look at this crystal display in the Gotham City Museum, and you know, there's. Uh, the what's the uh, curator is the word I'm looking for is telling oh all the credit goes to the exhibit designer the great Madame Cougar as like gee I wonder if she's the villain I guess <laughs> we'll find out yeah no the, it, it is very obvious but it was always obvious in the show I mean you, hell look at the sixty six the the actual film Miss Kitka come on now we all know who Miss Kitka is. Um, she's a reporter from a Russian newspaper. Yeah, sure she is. Yeah. Um, so we go to the night, you know, later that night, and Catwoman is going to oh. break into the quick, museum. Quick Scooby-Doo but... reference. The the look on Barbara's face when uh, Miss Cougar's walking out of the museum, it, it just practically screams Velma saying jinkies. <laughs> it does, yes. You know, so and I love that again. Like the show, she's practically giving away the fact that she's a villain. Where she's talking to Doctor Chan, the curator's like, "I am well aware of where the projectors are, and I've studied the details of your system, so it will not hinder my aesthetics." Replace that with shenanigans, and it's pretty well a confession. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it goes to. Working late tonight, dear. Oh, afraid so. Oh, working late tonight, Dad. And it's I love the reference to Lord Deathman, who is around this time in the Batman comics that were in you know Japan in the sixties. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's a character that showed up uh, in an episode of Brave and the Bold, became a major character in Grant Morrison's Batman Inc. title. And I hope they do this story in the series someday where Batman and Robin are in Japan helping their police hunt down the elusive Lord Deathman. That in itself would make a great story, but like when Batman went across the sea to the UK, I want to see the Japanese Batmobile. Because oh, I, okay. I, I will bet you dollars to donuts that shit's going to look like the Mach 5. <laughs> Guaranteed. Well, we already saw the London Batmobile. I'm sure they'll get to the Japan Batmobile at some point. Yeah. Um, Catwoman so, comes in, and I love how geez. she has her like mini Wolverine claws there. You know, it's like shik shik. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she has designed this, as you said, she has designed this exhibit so she could basically steal it for yeah. herself. Um. And as she's, you know, doing, you know, going through this and jumping through all the lasers, and she is singing a song. And she's singing like, her theme uh, song. Yeah. Um, I knew you wouldn't be able to resist the Tiger Topaz Catwoman. Uh, I admit, going through the trouble of posing as a designer so you could set the exhibit up for your own theft was very inspired. Batgirl. Ah, uh, Batgirl. Now, see, this is the problem I have with this, is wasn't, oh no, wait, maybe maybe I don't have a problem. She has red hair here. I don't remember her, did she, she have the red hair in the, yeah, in the it's, 60s? It's, well, it was a wig 
like sewn into her cowl in the okay. show. Because Yvonne Craig had that naturally dark uh, right, black, right. black hair. But yeah, I, I love the, the look on, uh, what's her what's her name? Colleen Coover's face. Or, or, her art on Catwoman's face. Because you, like, yeah, it looks like Eartha Kitt. You could hear her doing that rolling grr mm-hmm. that she had in her voice. And But yeah, it's like, bad girl. And, and, yeah. I could totally because the one thing I loved about Yvonne Craig's Batgirl is she had this very Captain America sort of. It, it was different than Bat. It was more like Robin's like cadence. There was she. She just had this very kind of gun ho blue blooded all American quality in her voice, and you mm-hmm. get that you know, with the dialogue here. And I do like the fact uh, where she goes. It must have taken weeks to place the crystal placement just right. And mm-hmm. that, you know, battering. I still love the look on Eartha Kitt's face, Eartha Kitt Cowan's face. She's like, "Bitch, please." <laughs> yeah, I I love I love the chase through the tiger topaz. As far as the how how you see them, or Batgirl's like, "Aha, got you now." I love how that's done with the art. I think that's absolutely awesome. And, and I love the whole. Uh, Hall of Mirrors kind of thing where they go into the crystal cave and mm-hmm. there's all the different reflections of you know Catwoman and Batgirl all over the place and they both have a hard time you know trying to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely awesome. But you you still get in the sock bam pow sort of thing and yeah. I do like the one thing. It's slash and then slap. Yep. Slash and slap. We're going to have a cat fight. Yep. Um, I like the oof. The oof is awesome when she, when Batgirl tackles her. Yeah. Um, I thought that was awesome. Um, (laughs) you need to pow, go out for the night. (laughs) Yeah. And then you see them both, they're huffing and puffing. They both got the, uh, their respective uh, avatars with the the X eyes. <laughs> I love that. That is so awesome. <laughs> As if their inner um, cells are like looking at the audience. And, Can you believe this shit? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and I, I love that. All of a sudden, it's like uh, there's really no explanation, or is there an explanation for why Commissioner Gordon showed up? There he's just, is. He's just there. Yeah, he might just, have been like a silent alarm or something, but they, yeah, they really. His commissioner senses were tingling. <laughs> oh, I forgot my pills at the museum. <laughs> Wouldn't want the dementia to take over again. Oh, hello, Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Because let's face it, Commissioner Gordon's going to be on some hardcore medication. Yeah. At the stress of uh, his job. The only thing out of this story that I didn't really particularly like, and I don't think it's part of her... I don't remember if it's part of her character. But at the end of the story, Batgirl rides off and she says, Tee, I don't remember that being a part of the character in in the show. I don't think she uh, ever tee-heed in the show, but, you know... I mean, it's a little... Uh, I'm, it's not outside the realm of possibility. Yeah. Um, for me... I... I really like the story. I really like the art. Um, I'm going to take a half point off for the what I don't think is in her character, the Teehee at the end. So 
I'll give it four and a half out of five, which is almost perfect for this story. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. It's definitely of all, it, it's just, it's leaning towards that five, mm-hmm. but it's not quite there. I mean, even in the show when Commissioner Gordon showed up, there was at least, like, what are you doing here, Commissioner? Oh, I just happened to be driving by. You know, yeah. it's literally, he just appears out of the shadows, slaps the cuff <laughs> on Catwoman, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, so. pretty much. All right, next up is Batman 66, number six. And the cover that I have is um, Batman, Robin, and the Bookworm. Uh, the, the Conqueror Bookworm, also featuring Olga, Queen of Cossacks. Um, okay, I see that these are supposed to be books now. At first, I'm like, why are they diving through spaghetti? But I get it now. They're 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 pages of books, and yeah. Um, regardless of Roddy McDowell's awesomeness, again, another villain that I just know nothing about really i don't know was the i don't remember the bookworm in the series was he 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 was like one of those one one shot villains he only ever appeared uh, in his you know the the episodes the bookworm turns while gotham city burns oh okay which is the one thing i should mention about the the previous issue with the, the batman like the sandman story had its own titles the sandman says goodnight and batman sleeps tight mm-hmm and that's one of the things I loved about uh, the original, like the the '66 TV series, was those cliffhanger t- titles that dove, dovetailed together like that. But yeah, it's, oh, it's yeah. Far, I haven't seen any variant covers for this one. I pretty much uh, just get the standard issue, which is done by uh, uh, Mike Allred, who's the creator of the comic book Madman. Hmm. And uh, he does all the reg- he's the regular cover artist. I really like this cover where they're swinging down off the giant pile of books, which is probably in the bookworm's lair. Because let's face it, he's a super villainish librarian, so his hideout would of course have giant decorative books all over the goddamn place. Yeah, there was a variant cover. I don't know what it was, but it says here in the in the credits, variant cover by Jonathan Case. So there was a variant. I just don't know what it was. Um, so we start this story at the tri-weekly meeting of the Gotham Chamber of Currency chaired by millionaire Bruce Wayne. The keynote speaker concludes his stirring address. Um, yeah, and I, I, I love Robin's lines. Like, and I know Batman himself would join me in saying, don't be uptight. Literacy is what's happening, baby. And it's a guess. And then Batman, I mean, Bruce Wayne leads in. Uh, he might not use those precise words, Boy Wonder. Yeah. He's um, just stepping in to say, it's like, uh, don't be talking over my shit, son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just not into the relationship between Bruce and, and Dick in this. Uh, it just... It just seems weird. I don't know what it is. I this uh, you know I'm not I'm trying not to be negative and say this story sucks, um, but I just wasn't. I didn't feel the usual Adam West Burt Ward kind of inflections in this. Yeah, it's uh, more like he's giving Robin like a verbal smackdown. 
Pretty much. <laughs> and I don't think it's necessarily the dialogue. Like, the artist on this issue is uh, Ty Templeton, who's... I, I really like his art here. Like, specifically, you look in that first page, you look, that's Adam West. Like, he's making an effort for the yes. characters to look as they should. But it's, you know, it's just the way it's drawn. It's not, it's a nitpick at best for me. I think the reason why I don't like this specific story in this issue is because it's not written by Jeff Parker. It's written by Tom Payer. And I, don't. Like, I get that this, this series is supposed to be all new adventures featuring the television series, you know, cast members and characters. But if you're going to have a writer on a series, have that writer. Don't have... Like, okay, artists changing, I don't much mind. You know, it... it it's kind of like me and how I look at rock bands, rock bands that I like. You can change any member of the rock band except for the lead singer, okay? Um, and that's the problem I have with this story is that it's not written by Parker, and that's one of the reasons why I don't like it because the story the, – the, the, it's like the old He-Man show when you would have an episode written by Larry Dottilio, David Wise, Robbie London. Sometimes not everybody talks to everybody – and if you bring in someone fresh on a series to write one episode, they're not going to know the, the true inflections of it. And I don't think uh, Payer knows the the proper, you know, v verbal that that um, Bruce and Dick have with each other. I just didn't like it at all in this. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it happens where, you know, maybe... You know, Parker, or not Parker, uh, it's just a regular writer. You know, you have to take some time off or something. You know, Par Jeff Parker's probably busy. I mean, he is writing a lot of books, so. Oh, yeah, I no, I, I understand that. I, I, I just wish that there was a little bit more communication amongst writers. Or if Mr. Payer didn't know about the series, that he would have checked it out beforehand, which I doubt that he doesn't know about it. But you know what I mean? It's like some people just need to do research. Yeah. Although I, I do like uh, in the fight that Robin ha has with uh, the bookworm and his men where he shows up to steal this comically oversized check for <laughs> basically five grand. Uh, yeah. You know, Robin, keep your guard up. Mind your footwork. I And Commissioner Gordon's basically, I hardly think the boy wonder needs f pointers from an idle millionaire. And it's like, oh, I, uh, I, I dabbled in pugilism in prep school. Watch his left. <laughs> you know, he's basically telling Robin how to fight without. Yeah. You know, it's just like way to trust your uh, your partner there, Batman. <laughs> you colossal douche. <laughs> and, I, yeah. and I don't get me wrong. Like I love Batman, folks, but let's face it, that was a douche move. Yeah, like that, it was. That goes against the guy, the bro code. Like, you know, bros before hoes, Batman, unless it's Catwoman. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, the bookworm gets away. You know, Commissioner Gordon's going to give Batman a call. And then he goes on Johnny Carson. Yeah. I. I still love what I do love about about this series is how they've remained true to the show. Yeah. And, 
like with the statement, all giant check payments have been stopped. Yeah, that and the and fact... then the line and this is I this is kind of smacks more of modern Financial Times where Batman says, as soon as Robin and I recover that checkbook, charity payments will resume. So what you're saying is you've cut off all funding to soup kitchens and hostels <laughs> and like homeless shelters because this douchebag with a reading lamp strapped to his fedora has stolen a giant check? God, you people suck. Yeah, Like, th- that's what it sounds like. Batman himself is yeah. like, no, 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 no. We're going to shut everything down until I get this sorted out. Yeah, but what about, like, those 50 homeless people that are stuck under the freeway? Screw them. I have to find a giant checkbook. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and what I was... Find... Sorry, you got well, what I was going for was the fact that Alfred is dusting the bat pulls, and it's... Uh... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. That's exactly what it says from the show. Access to the Batcave via Batcave. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it has Dick and Bruce's name on the two Batfalls. And just that image of where uh, he hears Aunt Harriet, you know, say her her catchphrase in Merciful Heavens. But it's like he's breaking the fourth wall, just looking at the audience. Can you believe this? Yeah. Where he just looks there and he's like, you know, uh, I love the interplay between uh, Aunt Harriet and Alfred in the show. And it's right here. It's like, yeah, here, uh, let me slip you a few bucks. You can go by the soup kitchen and help him out. And she's like, oh, Alfred, you always know what to say. And then you find out that the bookworm is a Batman fanboy slash stalker. Because mm-hmm. he's got a giant, uh, let, let's say it, it's a comically oversized book of Batman. With newspaper clippings and batarangs, and I'm sure if this went to the ultimate extreme, there would be a lock of Batman's hair in there. <laughs> but wait, you can't clone Batman. You can clone Superman and make, you know, Nuclear Man, though. And I think I just broke JT's brain, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, I like cheese. Superman 4 rules. Yes, yeah, Superman versus. Like seriously, like if they, if you could do a riff tracks of that movie, just where he pops out the claws, he's like, "Bitch, I'm gonna scratch you." <laughs> but yeah, so bookworms turn to the book of Batman to figure out, uh, you know, what Batman's next move is. While Batman and Robin are tracking him via bat tracer that Robin slipped onto uh, the bookworm, and then, well, they almost deafen him when they 
dr- dig into his radio signal and uh, very good bookworm. And he's like, ah, oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> too loud, too loud. Yeah. It couldn't get this loud unless it's not my radio. The Eckers by Wonder switched it out. And and again, um, like the like the last issue where Batman had the realization he was in a dream, the look on Batman's face is he could if he continues to collect data about me, he could soon figure out that I'm also Bruce Wayne. Bum bum bum. Yeah. I was like I, okay. I will say about the art really quickly that um the art on this page where he's like the accursed boy wonder switched it out. The art on Batman, uh, Batman and Robin, um, going into the bat, you know, being in the Batmobile, going into the Batcave, absolutely awesome. Oh yeah, I mean it. It's like the Adam West Batman popped right off the screen onto the page because oh, no. the art, the artist has the cowl down to perfection here. Well, yeah, it's so Ty Templeton's art in this. Like, his art and his inking is really what makes the book this issue for me. Like, they even mm-hmm. have that thing with uh, Robin with his jaw dropped open and his, you know, left hand clenching his fist. And, you know, it's just like in the show whenever they would figure out one of the Rid- Riddler's riddles or the Joker's clues or the Penguin's notes. They didn't... I, I, you'd think the supervillains in Goffin would have some variation beyond their modus operandi, but they're all leaving these goddamn riddles. <laughs> yeah. Or quotes from a book. You know, yeah. and then the next page we even get, I love that, the commercial facade bat viewer. Why don't you just say you're bat big brother and you're tied into all the surveillance cameras in Gotham? <laughs> and Robin even breaks out a, holy child's play, Batman. Chucky would destroy the bat cave. You think? Oh yeah. Um. So then we go, um, and soon outside Gotham's upscale Dickens Match Boutique. Because um, that's a thing. Yeah. It's like, what? Look, it's the bookworm himself in a new costume. It looks like it's made out of a coarse striking material. Oh my God, he's going to light a match. Yeah. I still don't get that. It... Oh, and of course, Aunt Harriet's there. You know, because why not? <laughs> but yeah, that's just... that I can't believe, like, maybe today with the internet and mm-hmm. obsessive compulsives and people with too much goddamn money, like I said, make you stupid money, that there would be a... Maybe in New York City, there could be a boutique where people go to buy, sell, and trade collector matchbooks. Where, you know, yeah. you could maybe, instead of spending that $20 on a matchbook, you could give it to a homeless man and tell him to go get a sandwich. No, yeah. I'm just going to go in here. Oh, wait, we're in Gotham City, and they don't have homeless people. Everyone has a job and has a car. Yep. I'm just, this is, like, one of the stupidest things. Like, Seriously? Could this just be a front for like a money laundering operation or something? No, it's an actual matchbook store. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then even so, so basically, Batman and Robin bust in, try to bust the bookworm, and he busts the move and gets away. And he's collected another batarang for his uh, scrapbook slash, you know 
I don't know what else you could call it. And even uh, Joyce Carol, his uh, mall slash uh, concubine, is like, really? Really? <laughs> like, she could care less about the book of Batman. And he's like, but look at here. This is what he used before in a crime against the Joker. Like, he's the bookworm's gone total fanboy. Yeah. He's trying to dress it up and everything. But oh my god, it would have been so much better. What if the bookworm was Batmite? Oh, brilliant! <laughs> oh, that would have that so would have been so much better. Oh, and if they ever did like a cartoon, you get Rod, could have gotten Roddy McDowell to voice Batmite. Oh, that would have been so good. Yep. So basically, you find out not as he is a fanboy. He's like one of those fanboys that collects a, an entire run of a comic book series and tries to auction it off for Boku bucks, because he's basically going to auction off his book of Batman to the highest bidder, so they can use it to do whatever they want to the Dark Knight Detective. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Oh, I just love the. Uh... Oh God, the the bookworm has stolen the new supply of the nineteen sixty six police rule books that were being delivered to police headquarters. <laughs> oh, how will we fight law? And, how will we fight for law and order now when we don't even know what the left hand is going to be doing with the right? <laughs> it's really you guys haven't been on the job for like ten years. You you haven't memorized. What all of a sudden they what have you completely rewritten the law book? Well Gotham City probably did. They let a man in a bat suit run around and fight crime. <laughs> yep. Oh god. Yeah. Oh, um, god. And I love Commissioner Gordon's line. Until we can replace these manuals, Gotham City police will be unable to operate by the book. <sighs> Which conjures up images of like some guy pulling over a speed, uh, somebody for a speeding ticket. He spends five minutes skimming over the pages for traffic violations. Yeah, pretty much. Um, oh, yeah. So basically the bookworm goes to break into Wayne Manor and because he's apparently he's figured out who Batman is. Yeah. And he gets caught. Uh, and at the end... Uh, because I'm sure Mr. Wayne will be happy to write a generous oversized check for the Gotham Prison Library. Bah. Burn the books for all I care. I just want to turn off my brain and watch television. Yes, oh. and apparently the uh, bookworm couldn't handle the revelation that Alfred wasn't Batman. Because that's all where all his research led, what led him to believe, folks. The butler did it. <laughs> yes. It's true, Miss Gordon. I am Batman. For once, I just wish somebody would believe me when I say that. <laughs> Gotta love BTAS. Yeah, just, um, just walk into a store. And, oh, I'm sorry, sir. You're a dollar fifty short for this can for your groceries. I'm Batman. Yeah, yeah. You know you were going seventy in a thirty zone. I'm Batman. Yeah. Uh. 70 and a 30 zone with a bunch of gravel in your mouth. So yeah. the second story in this issue is um, Queen of Cossacks, uh, Olga, 
was she in the show? I believe she she's probably one of those ones uh one of the one-off villains. Yeah, there were so many of them. There was very like there was the main cast of villains like Joker and Penguin and all that. I'm just looking it up on the wiki here. Marsha Diamond. And I gotta say, while he's doing that, folks, it just I understand that they're wanting to pay homage to the classic series and include everything. But for me personally, if it's not a core villain, I just don't care. Well, some some of the one-off villains were kind of fun in the series, like uh, Shame or the Archer, you know, Egghead, who only ever showed up at one time. And let's face it, most of us only really remember that because it was Vincent goddamn Price. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. I was going to ask you this earlier in this episode of the podcast. Um, Egghead. Egghead is everywhere, isn't he? Pretty much. Because he's in DC and Marvel. Oh, God. Yeah, of course, in Marvel, his biggest antagonist was... uh... Wolverine? No, I think the... (laughs) It was an Ant-Man was... The biggest one, yeah. According to the... Batman Wikia that I look up here. She was in a season... Olga showed up in the season three... Some season three episodes. Okay. Uh, I don't think I ever saw those because I really don't remember her. I don't remember her either. And I don't remember Batman and Robin ever riding bears. Well, that's because Batman's awesome. They're they're riding the bears bareback. I, I just love the fact that you're like you have no idea how much crap he's got crammed into the bat utility belt because you see in this one they're on the outskirts of Gotham City in the middle of goddamn winter. Pardon my French. He's wearing bat snowshoes, which probably fold out into that state, not unlike the bat bulletproof shield. Yeah. Like, how does he sit down while wearing that belt? <laughs> Very carefully. Yeah. Yeah, so it's they're they're walking through the outskirts of Gotham in winter. They're ambushed by Cossacks and Olga, mm-hmm. and it's like in Batman. So the exiled Bell of Besarova is back in town. What did you do with the Deutranium Agitator? What is the Deutranium Agitator? You might ask. We don't know, nor are we ever given an explanation. It's kind of like the Rabbit's Foot in Mission Impossible Three. Yeah, I thought that was a virus, though. Didn't they explain that? No, they. you, you see this thermos-like thing, and uh, Ethan Hunt even asked Lawrence Fishburne, will you tell me what this thing is? And he's like, I'll tell you later. And that was the closest thing that we got to the merest excuse of an explanation. Anyway, they mm-hmm. even, well, they reference, uh, apparently Olga and Egghead are a thing, and they reference the... Uh, Earlier issue of the series where <laughs> where Bat where he, Batman and Robin got dropped out of a blimp by Egghead and he's like Dara, she's basically she's doing this trap because she wants to get back at Batman and Robin for locking up her sweetie. 
And he's like, this is, a, Robin's like, this is a trap doll, Robin, for locking away my beloved egghead. He dropped us out of a blimp in a sealed egg. Shushings, Iggy is good, man. I, I love yeah. that. That's, that, that's cool. I, first of all, I love bad Russian accents like that. That's, that, that's just comic gold in my, in my eyes. But yeah, basically, Batman and Robin, well, they end up riding the bears when, you know, the Cossacks attack. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I love the, the before this, basically, uh, Olga has moved on from Egghead because she wants, you know, Batman to become Batmanikov and join her and rebuild Mother Russia. And Batman's like, uh, nuts to that. And she's like, fine, bears, eat them. <laughs> yeah. And then he, then he starts, uh, well, Besarovian, he's speaking Russian he he literally speaks Russian to the bears. <laughs> they tame the bears. They go back to the oh so inconspicuous Russian themed secret headquarters of the Cossacks in this wild outlands of Gotham City, which looks like they pretty much picked up the uh, the Kremlin and dropped it in the backwoods of Gotham, yeah. and. Okay, how did Batman and Robin walk? They basically ride the bears into Olga's headquarters and no alarms are raised. Like, they literally make it into her inner sanctum and she's like, holy shit, Batman. Yeah. And the bears are I... so unhappy. <laughs> well, wouldn't you be too if you were forced to, to ride all the way there? So. Yeah, and, and you see Batman's non love. Uh, to quote the Wayne Brady gag, Batman is uh, not above smacking a bitch because he's about to punch Olga, and then her main Cossack comes in. He's like nuts to that. <laughs> there will no be beatings of women here, comrade. Yeah. And how does Batman win the day? <laughs> he has a sword fight with her, and then she's like, "Screw it, I'm getting me some sugar." And kisses him and even the bear has this the the final panel the, the bear has a look at his face is like what yeah i'm all right so for this issue i'm gonna give the bookworm story only because i came up with the bat mite thing i'm gonna give it a three and a half which has liked it for the olga and the cossack story I'm going to give it a half star, which is painful. The lowest rating I've ever given. Since we, since we put this, this, uh, this rating system into effect, I've never gone under, uh, three stars. stars. Well, I might've done two and a half. I might've done a two at some point, but I, I, I gotta say a half star for this, which is painful. (laughs) Painful states that a complete failure on nearly every level. Any shred of redeeming quality is engulfed by a devastating sensation of frustration and incompetence. Uh, Whether it's a lack of discipline or sheer laziness, in the end, experience is one you will want to forget as soon as as possible. And it's, I'm only giving it a painful is because I don't like the character of Olga. Uh, You know... The art was was fairly good, but it just it wasn't a story I cared about. It wasn't a story that mattered 
to Gotham City at all. The whole point of the 66 series is Batman and Robin and Batgirl, when she's around, fighting crime in Gotham. I understand that this comic series is you know, going to be ever-reaching and going into other avenues outside of Gotham. That's all well and fine. This one, though, I would have rather them face Dr. Blight and Mal from Captain Planet than watch Olga again. Yeah. I mean, and the only thing in this story, like, for, for the bookworm story, I'm going to give it a four. I really liked it, mm-hmm. you know, because I was a huge, I'm still a huge Roddy McDowell fan, you know, Planet mm-hmm. of the Apes and all that, you know, Mr. Peter Vincent, the original Fright Night. Uh, and I, as as much as I would love to cause Mike's head to explode, folks, by giving it a five, genius in every sense of the word, I'm going to give it a four. I really like I really like the thing like this is just sheer comic book insanity and I love it. It's Batman fighting Cossacks out in the back forty of Gotham City, riding a bear and having a sword fight. This this is gold for me. You know, it's just if, fun. If I want pure insanity, change out Olga and her Cossacks for the Joker and Mr. Freeze teaming up. Well, because Mr. Fr- Mi- Mr. Freeze would have brought the bears and Joker would have brought the insanity. That's what it would have taken for me to enjoy the Olga story. Oh, you got to let yourself feel, Mike. No, no feelings. So we're the, take... the, the, the co- I should mention that mm-hmm. they're, they're building towards something because they have that brief interlude and in the Gotham Library in the Olga story that's building towards something Mm-hmm. In a later issue, because I believe the uh, Jeff Parker wrote uh, the uh, the Olga story, so I mean he's obviously mm-hmm. building towards something. So we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back with issues seven and eight after this. All right, we are back, and it's uh, Batman sixty six number seven. Again, Parker and Payer are on the writing. Uh, Jones and Donovan are on the art. Uh, the cover, Face Off with False Face and the Joker's Layoff Riot? Hmm, interesting. I wonder which story Mike would prefer to be the, the more important one in the issue. I might surprise you, actually. Um, <laughs> so, um, the cover here... Uh, while I enjoy Batman and Robin climbing up walls and basically seeing them vertically, I don't know if climbing up False Face's nose really hits home that that awesome feeling. Well, I think technically, aren't they like climbing up Mount Everest and False Face has done something to that national monument? Could be, could be. But yeah, uh, art uh, like Christopher Jones' art in this, I can say right off. Uh, really digging it it's like uh templeton's art in the last issues like he really makes an effort to capture the look of like adam west and you know then adam west in costume because it's basically false faces hawking fake jewelry and spreading vicious rumors about the mental state of aunt harriet mm-hmm. you know it's like well i'm not a doctor like my father was and you know, so I'm just gonna, you know, cover the, you know, just basically he's causing shit. And then he goes outside and you see a sweet Riddler mobile. 
Yeah, you see the sweet Riddler mobile and you also see the Batmobile chasing it. Yeah, and um, <laughs> I like that. The, the, they spray was it acid in the streets and the or glue or something and something like, in it. Yeah, it goes head first into the pavement. And Rob's holy abrupt halt, Batman. Good thing we had our seatbelts. Required restraints, old chum. Even in vehicles, not as powerful as the bat, powerful as the Batmobile. Public service announcement, kids. Yeah, but yeah. So you get Batman gets a bag of money to the head and. He's laid low, and it's like, Citizen, please leave the evidence where it is. This is a crime scene. Just trying to help, crime fighter. And Robin's just, what? What? Yeah? Bruce Wayne? Yeah. And then, fist to the face. And then again, that sweet shot in the next page uh, where Batman's taking on the Riddler, and a thug knocks him loose, and that's Frank Gorshin right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Frank Gorshin Riddler is always awesome. Yeah, and I love, you know, Robin's like, what the... Don't worry, I put a Bat Tracer on the Riddler ride. Yeah. Okay, that actually sounds a lot better than Riddler Mobile. Yeah, it does. We got a Batmobile, we don't need a Riddler Mobile. Oh, we got a Batmobile, we got a Joker Mobile, we got a Penguin Duck, and... Oh, God. What? Danny DeVito. Come on. Okay, yeah, sure. Penguin sub. Yeah, but the duck was cool. Come on. It's a giant rubber ducky. Just envision um, Penguin as Ernie instead of Danny DeVito. You win this round, Blanchard. You (laughs) win this round. You're the one. You make uh, crime fighting fun. so much fun. John. That's right. That's right. So basically, Robin still got, got his bell rung. Batman uses the Bat Freeze fire extinguisher. Is that Bat Freeze or Bat Breeze? I don't know. The first letter is covered up by his ring finger. Yeah. So he, he gives uh, Robin a cold com- a bat cold compress to put on his uh, goose egg while he mm-hmm. uses the Bat Freeze or breeze or whatever to shatter the glue that's holding them to the street. And he's like, sorry, Batman, I saw someone I wasn't expecting. Who? An attractive schoolmate? A celebrity? It was Bruce Wayne. And Batman's like, shut your whore mouth. (laughs) Because that's the look at his face. He's like, oh, you did not just say that. And then you see something, when they get back to the Batcave, you only saw it, I think, in the movie. I don't recall ever seeing in the TV show where they have like those cushions that they land on when they slide down the bat poles. And then he hits yeah, the switch was... and shoots yeah. them back up to the top and they go through the interdimensional automatic bat costume changing device. Cause this, yeah, the, you know, the... I've, I've always wondered about the bat poles, you know, because <sighs> They go down in their normal clothes. They come back up, or they go down in their normal clothes, and they end up in their in, in their bat and robin suits. When they go back up in their bat and robin suits, they end up in the normal clothes. So how does that work? Because well, I'm they, assuming the, I, I'm, I'm assuming these bat poles are just like you know a stripper pole or a fire engine pole that you would see at a firehouse that you slide down, 
and whatever else. You've uh, never seen the automatic costume changer switch? It they, still doesn't. That, well, that they, explains they've never ex- it, but... They've never explained how that works, and it's either they slide down automatic costume changer, and, like, they're sliding down the poles, and all these, like, little robo-arms come out and, like, strip them naked and then slap the costumes on. Mm-hmm. For all we know, they walk around all day and all night wearing the costumes underneath, and really there's just a hook that grabs their normal clothes and yanks it off. I mean, yeah. then again, it's Batman. And who are we yeah. to question the Dark Knight detective? I am, damn it. Especially <laughs> in this series. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, of course, by the time they get to the top, Batman's worked it out in his computer-like brain that it's false face. Because it certainly couldn't be somebody disguising himself as Bruce Wayne just as... No, it's got to be a super criminal. Yeah. And then he gets a call on the bat phone and... My God, Commissioner Warren, look, it looks like he went to an all-night buffet because he just looks fat. He's <laughs> yeah. like, free after 2 a.m. if you're a police officer. Compliments Gotham City Financial Branch. You know, and then he's basically yeah, he... tell, telling Bruce that the cops are there to arrest him without telling or knowing who Bruce really is. It's just... It's just the yeah. look on Bruce's face is like, I've said dispatched Chief O'Hara to arrest millionaire Bruce Wayne. And Bruce Wayne's like, but what? What? <laughs> and you go to, uh, I love that. Meanwhile, at False Faces, Fiendish Flop House. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love alliteration. Yeah. And you see he's a progressive uh, supervillain because he's got a woman and a small person on his crew. Yeah. Of course, the little person's named Little Tom, so it's just slightly insensitive. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I was really enjoying this story. Uh, I really do like it. Um, I think it's kind of a shame that the near the end of it, you have um, Batman punching Honest Abe. Yeah. I I do like that Honest Dave doesn't turn into a vampire though, so there's a good thing about it. <laughs> well no, he he didn't turn into a vampire, he fought vampires. Yeah, I know. Don't that's you know still... that's the entire reason the Civil War was waged? Uh, yeah, sure. You gotta sure pay attention to history class, Mike. I, yeah. I still I still love to see like after Batman, you know, well after Bruce and Dick turn into Batman and Robin again, they go to police headquarters and Commissioner Gordon, I, I, again, the police force in Gotham City is absolutely useless, because without even looking for evidence or, you know, uh, you know, finding some a witness to corroborate the reports that this was Bruce Wayne, he's sitting there, hands folded in front of him, head hung low, oh Jesus, it's a dark day indeed. And then there's Chief O'Hara, being exactly how, how I expect a drunken Irish cop to act, completely hating on rich people. <laughs> yeah. And then Batman was like, you shut your whore mouth. Come on, come on, Commissioner, you know this wasn't Bruce Wayne. You know there's a guy who likes to dress himself up as other people and prance around town in other people's clothes. And then all of a sudden you see the light bulb go off over Commissioner Gordon's head. He's like, oh yes, of course. Oh, you've done it again, Batman. 
And Batman's like, yeah, like I do all the rest of your work. <laughs> I'm just like, seriously, like I just, that's one of the things I loved about the show is how completely useless the cops were. They basically show up at the end and read the note that says compliments of your friendly neighborhood. Oh wait, that's another crime fighter. <laughs> Yeah, it's so you see False Face go to a museum, impersonate this curator. You know, he steals what looks like the tiger topaz, which yeah, is the tiger. What is, yeah, it, what's the deal with that? Come on now. Well, it's <sighs> Catwoman couldn't do it. I can do better than Catwoman. Yeah. And I love the fact that they, they, they don't. It's basically in the show, False Face would turn around, he would turn back, he'd have another face on. And this one, like you see earlier, where he bends over to turn on the TV, and he turns around again, he's got his uh, Bruce Wayne on. And then you see him walk, he walks through a shadow for a second, he goes from Dr. Chan to back to False Face. And basically, False Face was like the clay face of the 66 universe. Yeah, he was. You know, for like the microsecond change like that, and you know, it's and of course, you know, Commissioner Gordon's like, well, of course, Bruce Wayne couldn't have committed the crime. He's probably off gallivanting as wealthy playboys are wont to do. And you see, Batman's probably rolling his eyes and under his cowl, it's like, God, this guy's a dick. <laughs> so they go to the museum to, you know, because the the, doc, the real Doctor Chan has been discovered, and well, False Faces put some uh, put a little more effort into leaving a clue. He's done like a the one in, like how you do a uh, snowflake cutouts with paper you know he's like oh yeah he's left a mask and a taunting riddle rhyme and see that's what i don't like okay i get it no one can really own a certain part of something like no one can own a like a, a certain shtick I mean, you know, but that's one of the reasons why I don't like some of these villains is they're basically stealing other people's sticks, like leaving riddles. That's the Riddler's job. Put the Riddler in here, you know. It just uh... they must all get together like a supervillain book club. It's like, so how are you going to do it this time? Well, I'm going to turn left instead of going right because no way Batman will catch me if I turn left, you know. So. But yeah, so they figure out in the span of what looks like ten seconds that uh, False Face is going to rip off Mount Rushmore because yep. that's totally like Batman's logic. What if the part about it, if it's not being a clue, is what's false? The entire note must be made of clues. Yes, because any sane, rational human being would come to the same conclusion. Yes, exactly. So then they fly. We get our second, or no, this would be our third new bat vehicle debut we get the bat plane it and, looks kind of cool oh no it it definitely you know with the red and black highlights you know it, it looks a bit of badass but i gotta ask the question and i'm sure other people have thought, thought of asking this question how does the government not just walk in and take this shit like yeah. how does like some civilian manage to maintain a separate or like a quarter of the airfield of the Gotham International Airport, you know, start, store his bat copter, store his bat fighter plane. How does like the FBI not just like ah, communism? You know, well, 
that, and let's face it, this is the 60s. This is goth, six, 1960s Gotham City. And as you've stated in this episode and way back in episode 39, the police force and the government are all fools. I said the police you know, force are fools. The government uh, hasn't exactly been determined, but as we go to... Right, but, but you know what I mean. It's like, you know, well, the, the police force are fools... They're they're made to look like fools because that's how they were in the show, and it it, ha, it has so much camp, and, oh, yeah. and I and I and I understand that's what it's meant to be. I'm not complaining that it has camp. There's some of the Bat sixty six camp that I really like. There's some of the just horrible horrible Bat puns are, are really really cool. Yeah, but it just. What do you expect? I mean, you know, there was no logic back then when it come to the, you know, yeah. oh, Batman, he's he's a he's a crime fighter. He's going to fight our super criminals, you know. Um, so yeah, so uh, I I don't know much about the American history up to this point, but is that LBJ is the president at this point in America in the sixties? This, uh, this was after sixty six. This was after JFK, right? Yeah, JFK was 63, and then, yeah, Lyndon B. Johnson, yep, yep. Yeah, because when the first time I read this, I was like, what the hell is Nixon doing at Mount Rushmore? I was like, wait, (laughs) that's just, like I said, I don't know a lot about the presidency, but I was like, what the hell is Lincoln, or Nixon doing at, you know, under Lincoln's (laughs) nose, whatever you want to say. So then, uh, yeah, so it tells the park rangers, don't let anyone disturb us, will you? And ten seconds later, Batman lands and probably just runs roughshod over him and runs after and through the cabin from where False Face and his cronies take off. And they're running through the point, the forest, and Little Tom and Big John get taken off pretty quickly. And then Blaze, who is False Face's mall, shows up. Oh, he went that way, and that turns out to be False Face. And like I said, he's he's a friggin' shapeshifter because the dude grew boobs and curves. And Batman <laughs> was like, pretty. Okay, I'll go this way. Literally, Batman was distracted by the power of boobs. Oh, boy. Yep. And then he's going to blow up. <laughs> False Face is going to try and rats about Rushmore and threatens to blow it up with a single dynamite plunger. Yeah, not exactly his finest hour. And it's probably not going to work because it's cut from the Acme Company. <laughs> oh right in God. the front. False face is, uh, is Wiley Coyote. Wow. Uh, yeah, and then Batman punches out Abe Lincoln. I mean, false face. Yep. And, and I love the way they end this story where this is, Gordon's like, ah, oh, you're cleared of all charges. And then... And then be the asshole that he is. Chief is like, oh, you were never under suspicion by us, boyo. And Batman's like, of course not, dickhead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's going to find some bat itching powder in his shorts later, I think. (laughs) Itching powder? What itching powder? Oh, never mind. (laughs) What are you telling me, Batman? He's got bat shark repellent. No, no, no. I know that. Uh, Yeah, I know that. Um, for this one, for the false face story, I'll give it a four out of five. I really liked it. There were moments where I kind of got bored with it, but it was interesting. 
Yeah, no, I'll give it a four as well. It's a, like, again, this is one of those things like this could be a great if this was an actual episode of the show, this would work so well. Yeah. You know, uh, and we find out that False Face has superpowers because <laughs> he grew boobs. So <laughs> you, 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 what what do you say? He just balled up a shirt? No, that he, he grew boobs. It was like the Terminatrix in T3. He just stood still for a second, thought really hard. <laughs> but yeah, no, I love the overall everything, and it, it's huh. it was non-invasive cool. enlarging surgery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just sitting there thinking, he's like, "I want boobs, I want boobs." Okay, not D's, not D's. Shrink it down, shrink it down. <laughs> I'm just wow. saying. But yeah, we go to the, the Joker's uh, Lay-Off Riot, yeah, written lie by lie. Uh, Mike's least favorite writer on this series, Tom Okay, l- no, l- let, me, let me state this here. In issue six, it was the first time I read the guy, and I just didn't think he captured the, you know, it was the only story I read by the guy, so I, I just don't think he captured the way that Bruce and, and Dick talked to each other. Um, but I actually did really enjoy this one. I thought this was great. Yeah. But clearly the Joker is taking a blow to the head because he calls Harley Quinn tee-hee. Yeah. As giggles and cackles uh, and chortles and chortles. and Seriously, dude, can't you do better naming your thugs? Yeah. I don't think he was calling her that. I think he was just tee-heeing. For yeah. t- just to, I don't know. I think it was actually tee-hee. So basically, the the Joker busts into a game show slash charity benefit, tries to steal the money, you know, mm-hmm. gets away with it, and then it, I love the way he counts two for you, two for me, one for you, three for me, one for you, and the guys are like, "Uh oh, the Joker's pissed." Yep, and he's like, "What? I got to share the money now? What the hell?" <laughs> And, and he watches the news, and he gets it in his head to, uh, again, echoing today's current economic landscape, decides to downsize his workforce and lays off three-quarters of his minions. <laughs> now, you would think that he's a dude, he has needs, he would probably keep the girl around for whatever she does, but no. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's not like she's had it. And I'm not knocking women when I say this, but most of the women gangsters that show up outside of like Catwoman and Olga and Zelda, Queen of Diamonds, uh, most of the women villains that showed up in this series weren't that effective. Hell, the only woman villain I really remember ever showing up was the three different Catwomen. So, <laughs> yeah. The rest I mean, of. The rest of the time that I remember the show, it was Joker, Penguin, Riddler, well, King Tut. Hell, in the first uh, two episodes, with the the Riddler manages to get his maul into the Batcave, and this rocket scientist decides to climb on top of the atomic pile and then fall into it. Yeah. So, Joker fires everyone except Giggles, and then goes on a crime spree and attempts to force Giggles to do everything. Yeah. Literally. And he's like, what? You're not done yet? What am I paying you for? 
You're not paying me, sir. <laughs> exactly. Get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and they have this scene where he's talking to uh, like a bunch of businesses, and he's trying to figure out, you know, what what the Joker has done since clearly he's only got the one henchman now. And he, all you hear are buzzwords, right-sizing, transitioning, synergizing, vertical outplacement, assessment of key metrics, core competencies, and Batman is literally just goes glass-eyed. Yeah. And he's just, yeah, so you see Giggles is just not digging his job. Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah, he's like, it's like, are you done yet? Done, boss. Done. Not until you filled the gas bladders. You'd have shirked it off if I hadn't reminded you. And it's like, <laughs> the Joker's a dick. Yeah, the Joker's a really being a dick in this one, yeah. And then he dresses up like a hippie. A filthy, filthy hippie. Yep. Yes, he does. And... I do like that where they're, they're going to rip off... Uh, like the Gotham University Library or something. This guy's doing a book signing. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, well, who should I make it out to? I'll make it out to her fraternity, Summa Come Loudly. <laughs> like, literally everything. Like there's confetti, there's smoke, there's streamers. These giggles, grab the cash box. Must I do everything myself? Got it. And then Batman and Robin show up and one punch. Yeah. I wonder if this guy's a relative of Guy Gardner. Oh god, let's not even go there. Um Yeah, and I so love the turn on the whole crime doesn't pay thing at the end where Batman's like, I'll have you know, you violated several labor laws, including those governing overtime, minimum wage, health coverage, designated break times. <laughs> and the Joker is like, business doesn't pay. No, no, it doesn't. Um, for this one, I I liked it. I thought it was interesting. I'm still not a fan of Payer's writing style because I've already read several Joker stories written by Parker. Yeah. Um, and I think Parker writes the character better in the association of the old television series. Um, I don't absolutely hate this one. Uh, I'll give it a four out of five. Really liked it. Uh, the art was really cool. Really liked that. And I do, I do like Joker stories. So, yeah. What about you? Uh, I'll give the story a four. The art, I'm going to give it like a three. Just okay. uh, it's not choppy, but I think it's just the, the the way the the inking is and all that. It's just not as solid art as you know some of the other artists we've seen in here. Right. Yeah. All right, we're going to take another quick break and come back with the final issue of the day after this. All right, finally up today is Batman 66, number eight. It's King Tut barges in and showdown with shame. Um, that's a low-down, dirty shame right there, ladies and gentlemen. What, Keenan Ivory Wayans is in this one? <laughs> it would have made it better. <laughs> God, I wish I could find that movie. Uh, but yes, this issue, folks, uh, I'm going to say this. My personal favorite original villain outside of Egghead is King Tut. 
Because <laughs> Victor Bruno, this guy just played it to the hilt. This is this is proof positive that Indiana Jones is one concussion away from becoming a supervillain. Because think about it. Vic, Professor William McElroy, professor of Egyptology, Egyptology, sorry, takes a blow to the head during a student riot and wakes up thinking he's the reincarnation of King Tut. Yeah, that could probably work. <laughs> and the same thing would happen to Professor Indiana Jones. Dude takes one knock to the head, he'll wake up thinking he's the Knight of the Crusades. Oh my god. No. They cannot... That Hollywood, you better never make this movie. Indiana Jones 6. An indie in King Arthur's Court. Like a kid in King Arthur's Court. Oh my god. The, oh my god. So bad. So bad. <laughs> um, Alright, so King Tut. I used to like King Tut. I thought he was pretty cool. Um... And he's one of the few villains uh, in the pre-52 DC. They had a Batman title called Batman Confidential. And mm -hmm. it was, uh, there was like a two or three issue story arc where they introduced King Tut into the modern Bat universe. Mm -hmm. I haven't read that for years, so I don't really remember the quality of the story. But I thought it was really cool that they were doing something like that. Yeah. Um... So we open with um, Batman and Robin running. Uh, Batman and Robin running forever. <laughs> yeah, it's like it, Sorry, you go. Oh, it 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 looks like um, at least it looks like to me like how they would run at the end of Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Yeah, at the end credits, and, and also echoing the intro to the show. But yeah. Yeah, I still love that. And every time I read those bat uh, exclamations, mm -hmm. I hear William Dozier's voice as Desmond Doomsday is at the Gotham River. A strange sight summons the citizenry. Like I hear his voice every time that the bat narration pops up like that, and Batman's like the audacity of his demented mind. And some guy in the crowd, uh, what gives? Is this one of those supervillains I hear about? You know, and Robin's like, oh, you must be new to Gotham. <laughs> and expo uh, the, the expository boy Wonder, you know, tells him who this is. It's King Tut. He's got a barge on the river. and It's the one thing I like about uh, the art here is uh, Ruben Procopio's back. Mm -hmm. And just the, the that first image of uh, Tut laughing... And saying, oh, you modern heroes slay me. We're not breaking any laws, not harming anyone. And just the image of him, like, that is so Victor Buono. Like, he, oh, like yeah. he really gets it here. And then, basically, you know, there are some shenanigans afoot, and King Tut's up to something, obviously. Yep. And he's like, oh, what happened here? It's like, oh, I faked my... Uh, I, I faked returning to my senses after the last time I was in Gotham. And at the same time, Batman and Robin, they get this gold tiara. They run it through, of course, the appropriate name, Bat Carbon Dater, <laughs> and, and discover this thing's only 12 years old, although it's, uh, obviously enough, it's not, it, it's, it's real, but it's like, 
this shouldn't be made like this at this day and age, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's just it's just a crazy story. Yeah. It's fun. Um, and I like I said, I do like King Tut. I think he's a interesting character. Um, I mean, you, I just, you get the minions coming. Like, there's the one guy from the last episode. He's got like the sleeping sand and all that. Mm-hmm. You know, he knocks him out. He's got his maul. He's got you know the muscle. He's got some staff, and he whispers something. In, well, it's Egyptian. I don't think that's the proper word for the language they speak there, but yeah. you know, he says something and this sarcophagus uh, he's like, gotta open the sarcophagus, and he's like, Sebek Ra, use your mind to open the sarcophagus. Sebek Ra? Waylon! Oh, Waylon Jones! How you doing? Gee, yeah. I wonder what's gonna happen to him. Yeah. So it's it's, it's pretty crazy. It's a little weird. So yeah, so basically, it's like the 60s TV series, The Time Tunnel. The mm-hmm. the coffin is a bridge. Uh, you were talking about Doc Brown earlier. Well, here's our DeLorean. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, atomic batteries to power, turbines to speed. This might be the first time in this comic series so far that we've seen the Batmobile take off. Uh, oh, where they leave and, the Batcave? Yep. Yeah. I absolutely love it. And that bottom panel right there of them rooming or working out of it. Oh, man. That, see, that is the color that the Batmobile is oh, supposed yeah. to be. Black and red, ladies and gentlemen, with yellow lights and yellow. You, and they got you, the, yeah. I know. Just the way that the, the, the front driver's corner there, like you just see that thing just lifting off. The ground. Oh yeah! Oh, it's like, was yeah. this thing going to turn into the bat plane? Well, I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> but yeah, so like Batman and Robin charge after King Tut and his goons, and they somehow traveled back in time to ancient Egypt, and basically mm. King Tut exposits that in his research he, I learned a great secret about the Harem harem sarcophagus and used all my influence to have it brought to Gotham City. The wizard's pharaohs built and prepared this wonderful tomb with their arcane science. Oh, yep. okay. That's makes sense unless Jeff Parker is like a fan of the theory that aliens built the pyramids. And I can mm-hmm. say that I'm not uh, I'm not aware of that possibility either. It's just Okay, the Egyptians built time ta- time travel. All right, let's go with it. <laughs> and they've gone. <laughs> oh, it's just, I, I love that look on King Tut's face where he gets his hand up. I know. Of course, their mummification wasn't all that. They removed organs, but their command of physics magnificent. Welcome to twelve ninety two. And. Yeah, that you find Batman and Robin are in a quicksand pit, and they're about to be eaten by uh, alligators. Or are those crocodiles? Hmm. I wonder if this is going to come into play shortly. <laughs> so, oh, of course, Batman has a can of bat crocodile repellent. Because why wouldn't he? 
Yeah. Oh, wait, I it's mean... not... It, it's a modified form, as he informs us. It's, I altered the bat shark repellent for Crocodilius Niloticus. Because <laughs> that totally makes sense. Yeah. Uh, no, not really. Oh, and um... then you find out that Batman speaks crocodile. Oh, wait, not crocodile. He speaks hippo. Because <laughs> he, he literally... And, of course, Robin makes the most obvious reference one could make in this situation. And as much as I love that sort of thing, I do not have the energy to say those words out loud. Do it. I triple dog dare you. You have to do it. It's your turn. What? You say it. No, you say it. Holy hungry hippos, Batman. <laughs> And Batman's explanation. Uh, the most dominant animal in the Nile. Thank goodness I remembered their call. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if this guy knows how to speak anteater at this point. Yeah, that's, that's I can't true. believe I just said those three words. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to need to lie down after this. <laughs> I'm wondering if... Uh, I'm wondering if Hungry Hungry Hippos was around back then. No, I'm fairly certain that was a product of the 1980s. Yeah, that's probably true. Just that's like crazy. his career. Well, we can debate that on another show. Yeah. It's like, yeah, so the Batman's thank goodness I remembered to call. Now let's get the hell out of here because they look kind of pissed off. And honestly, the hippos do kind of look pissed off. Yes, yes, they do. It's kind of like, unlike the bears they wrote a couple issues back, where the bears just look sad. <laughs> uh, so you see King Tut's talking and making a deal with the local pharaoh, and he's bribing him with chocolate. Good lord. And, and, and honestly, King Tut's making out like a bandit, because one of his uh, minions... Say, this is over $10 million worth of gold for five bucks worth of candy? Well, that's kind of what happened when the uh, settlers bought Manhattan Island. Was it five bucks and blankets and a bunch of beads? Or something. Apparently so. Something like that. Um, and it's not uncommon that Batman or Robin would make a Holy Hungry Hippos reference. Because, um, according to my online sources, uh, the idea for the game was published in 1967 by toy inventor Fred Kroll, and it was introduced in 1978 by uh, Hasbro's subsidiary Milton Bradley. So, I don't mind the reference here to it, I guess. But yeah, you're right. I was like, hey, wait a second. Isn't that a game of the 80s? But... Hey, if it was if the idea was thought up in '67, who yeah. am I to argue? You know. Well, and as we see here, what King Tut has bartered for, in, in addition to the gold, is you know like scrolls from the Library of Alexandria and what looks like some vials of uh, Yzma's magic potions from Emperor's New Groove, which is odd because we were talking about Eartha Kit earlier. Yes. And. It's like, the contents of this vial will make a man's skin so tough bullets can't penetrate it. And Waylon's like, nah, I'm thirsty. 
And he's like, you idiot! That would have only taken two drops to give you superpowers. I mean, to toughen up your skin. So, we'll, we'll, we'll name him properly in a moment. But yeah, Waylon Jones. If you don't know Bad History, look it up. <laughs> so yeah, Batman and Robin are... They, they're basically racing back to Sarcophagus to stop, you know, King Tut. And apparently they beat him. And Waylon's not looking so uh, so hot right now. And Batman and Robin start putting foot to ass for truth, justice, in the American way. And all of a sudden, Waylon turns into a vampire. Yep, pretty much. So, and at this point, he runs away, and I'm sure we'll see him another day in the future. So, if you haven't figured it out by this point, folks, Waylon Jones has just become Killer Croc. Yep. We have our first super, truly super, super villain in the Batman 66 universe. Yeah. The fact that it's Killer Croc just... Well, you could have done Killer Croc in the 66 show, you know, just have him with a skin condition and he's tougher than everybody else. You know, and from the design there, if they don't go beyond the uh, hiss and snarl look that they gave Waylon in that last image there before he runs away, the pain, the pain! Because, well, in all likelihood, he's going to show up with uh, suitcases for skin and... uh, a decidedly different hue to his skin. Yeah. And then, I mean, earlier in the story, Batman warned Robin about doing something to uh, upset the flow of history. And we see in the last uh, image there that, well, clearly they left their mark on history because this ancient Egyptian tablet has a bat and a Robin carved into it. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord. Yeah... I just, mm, I don't know. This story went a little wacky for me. Um, So I'm going to give it a 3 out of 5, barely passing. I I like the art. Uh, I like the stuff with King Tut, but the fact that it turned into a, hey, let's give Killer Croc a 66 origin, no. Well, it's, I mean, technically they already had a super, super, super powered super villain in Mr. Freeze. Technically, because of the gear, all his gear and all that, but Killer Croc is kind of super strong and won't bullets bounce off his skin. So I, I do love in the because they they ended in this like science fictiony kind of thing, like how they would end science fiction films in the fifties and sixties with the end, and then it swirls into a question mark, mm-hmm. you know where. Uh, Batman's like, who knows what ancient memories, dreams, and fears we all hold deep within. You know, it's just like, bum, bum, bum. But then we move on to the... Our backup was Showdown with Shame, written by Jeff Parker. Art and colors by Ruben Procopio, but the... Instead of, like, the art he used on, like, the... On the, the main story... You know, mm-hmm. he, he went more of a painted sort of thing here, which really is really beautiful in a way. It is, but it hurt my eyes after a while. Yeah, if you it stare would, at it too uh, long. Well see, well, see, that's my problem. Like, it's not that I'm staring at the... It's not like... The way that I 
read a comic is I read for the word balloons first. And sure, I'm looking at the art as I'm doing this, but I'm trying to focus on the actual words versus the art, you know, and the art's kind of like there in the background, but honestly, the only cool thing about this story for me was Batman and Robin on horseback. Yeah. It's Back to the Future 3. <laughs> well, we just made a ton of Back to the Future references this episode. Yep. yep. So yeah, basically Shames uh, up to his dirty tricks again, you know, jumping claims and stealing a man's gold and berating his uh, muscle for not speaking like an illiterate Native American. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, dang it, Thunderhawk, can't you pretend for a minute you didn't waste all that time with your Ivy League book learning? And he's like, a thousand pardon shame, I mean, ugh. <laughs> you know, and then you got his uh, mall dressed like a dancer from the local bordello. And mm-hmm. I'd have to ask uh, Procopio, but I love when we see Sheriff Batman and Deputy Robin. I, I would lay money down that Batman's uh, hat is meant to look like uh, the man with no names. Oh, yeah. You know, rub- Most definitely. You know, just r- rubbing a little Clint Eastwood all over this, and you see Shame and his uh, Thunderhawk. I'm sorry, I say that, and, and I, I think of Street Fighter. And this guy neither looks eight feet tall nor nine feet wide. Yeah. So, but, you know, he does a Dukes of Hazard with a dynamite arrow and blocks this train with a tree, and everyone's like, strange, we're nowhere near the next stop. And the kid's like, oh, people on horses, Daddy, can we ride a horse? I was like, yes, because that's the first thing people are going to think about. You know, well, what the hell's going on? Why have we stopped? Not, hey, we're not near the next station. <laughs> God bless the 1960s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's an old fashioned hold up, and everyone's like, "Oh wow, this this tour really went all out." Mm-hmm. And the kids like this, like, I love the fact there's it's a white father, but clearly either a black or Hispanic daughter. Where it's like, <laughs> "See, honey, this is a train robbery, just like they would have had back in the old west," and she's all like, "Neat." <laughs> yeah. Um... I I can't get into the story. Yeah, it's it's and it's not it, it it's not the story's fault. For me it is not the it's the art. I, a 5-year-old could have done this better. I'm sorry. I just don't like the art. And the art is what's going to cause me to give out another painful rating at the end of this because it it took me, like, after the King Tut story and I saw, like, the first page of the shame story, I sat there and tried to read it. I got two pages in and I had to put it down. And I had to come back to it, like, three hours later to finish it. No, I it just I can get that. The, the art is, like, I love it. But I can see why this style would, you know, kind of, I, w- I don't want to say offensive, but it would be hard on some people. So. See for see, see for me, and I'm and I'm going to give a reason why it is for me. It's not just because I don't like the art; 
it's because it's painful for me to look at because I have optic atrophy with nystigmatism. Mm -hmm. Basically, I have nerve damage in my eyes that can never be fixed because apparently the doctor that delivered me was drunk that night. Jerk. Um, so I, without correction, I have 2200 vision in both eyes. With correction, I can get up to 2060. I even broke out my glasses and put my glasses on to try to read this thing. And it still hurt my eyes. Oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> so the story is is interesting. I like it as far as the actual written story, but as far as the art goes, I, 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 had, to, I had to put it down. Well, I, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, the story, it's basically Batman You references the next issue that hasn't come out. Well, by the time of this recording, it's out, but we haven't read it yet. Yeah. Where, where he's tracking down Zelda the Great, another yeah. one-off villain from the series, and he just happened to hear about shame, and, well, Batman's like, ah, I got about five minutes, let's take care of this douche. Yeah. And he goes to stop Shane robbing this train, and he sees that Thunderhawk is really this uh, physics prodigy from Yale University who was uh, accused of being a spy for foreign powers, and Batman's like, you know, I think we can clear your name. And he's like, you know, Daniel is like, that That would be cool. Uh, I place myself in your custody. Uh, just so you know, Shane's getting away. Or Shame, sorry. And then mm. Batman and Shame almost have a, uh, like, a showdown, except Batman literally only has a gun, and while we know Batman doesn't use his guns. So Robin throws a batarang and distracts Shane. And Batman gives him the knockout blow, and all's well that ends well. And, you know, Mr. Thunderhawk's going to be a free man, and, you know, Shame's going back to jail. And Do you remember uh, Wild Wild West, the show, not the movie? No, I remember the movie. Okay. Well, one of the images, it was very recurred. It happened a lot in the show where there'd be the shot of. Uh, Jim West and oh, what's uh, the other? I I can't remember his partner's name. It I, I love Artemis. Artemis Artemis Gordon. Artemis Gordon are standing on the back of the train and just you know expositing on what's going on, or it's the end of the show and set shot. And that's what the feeling I got from this last shot of Batman and cast on the back of it like that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It's probably just a, that a coincidence. That I thought of that. But yeah, no, I I like. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna go first. I'm gonna give this a three. It barely passes for a Batman story like this. It's cool and all, and it's slightly entertaining. And the the one thing that I'll probably take away from this the most is the art. Like I love this paint, this kind of watercolor, almost painted style that Procopio used here. But, I mean, overall, it's just really underwhelming. In terms of some of the other, like, cool backup stories and just any of the stories that we've seen in the series so far that, you know, Parker has produced, I mean, I know he can do better than this. So. Yeah. But really, this is just an excuse to get Batman, or, or to tell a side story of what happens in issue number nine. So. I uh, know what what are you yeah. giving this Mike? Um I'll probably 
The King Tut story, I'll give a four out of five. I really liked it. Yeah, I'd, I'd give it a five. I, I loved it, but go on. The shame story, because of the art, I have to give it that... Um, Is it the bottom of the barrel? The one and a half... The half star, the painful, because it... I'm sorry, if something literally hurts my eyes and I have to put it down and I cannot read the story, then it's going to get a low grade. That's just all there is to it. Uh, Honestly, I I thought you were going to go for zero stars there for a second. No, I mean, it's not that at all. It just... It hurts to look at it. Yeah, I mean, if the art style was something different, um, you know, great. But since it's not, then... Oh, well. No, it's... uh, Overall, like I said, I'd give the King Tut story a five. Like, it's just... Bat guano crazy. I mean, there's time travel and mutant crocodile men and a reference to one of the noisiest tabletop games you could play. And it still makes sense. I mean... And like I said, it had one of my favorite Bats TV series villains and King Tut. I mean, it's just the way Victor Bruno, Bruno or Bono or however he says, I apologize, I can't pronounce his last name to save my life, is yep. he just made that because I hear his voice. That's like the Red Hood story with the... Uh, the Joker and the Arkham Institute for the Criminally Insane and the Red Hood and Dr. Harleen Quinzel. Like mm-hmm. I heard Cesar Romero's voice whenever I read the Joker's dialogue, just like I heard, oh God, I, I fail as a bat fan. Harley Quinn from the TAS. Harleen Sorkin. There you go. You know, I heard Dr. Sor- Dr. Sorkin. Why not? She might as well be. <laughs> Like, you heard Miss Sorkin's voice whenever I read Harley's dialogue. That was what I heard with King Tut, so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, you know, uh, it just, uh, I don't know. Uh, Like I said, the King Tut story, I'll give a four to five. The shame story, I'll give a half star. Um, The other thing before we close this out that I wanted to talk to you about was I know you don't have the the print versions of of these, but um, the print version covers are for all four issues. Um, oops, I got those backwards. Uh, it's it's green and brown. It's like somebody's puking and shitting all over the covers. Number five, it's a green background with Z, 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 because of the Sandman. Number six, it's the bookworm, and all the books are brown with, like, really, really faded pages. Um, number seven, again, it's a grayish brown because of False Face's face. And then number eight is green because of King Tut and what I believe is the bat boat coming out of the water. It just... They all are very bland covers for me. I, I don't like any of them. Well, I should say not. I, I still have the print issues of these. Like the mm-hmm. issue six through seven today, I actually dug the print issues out. It's issue five. Right. I couldn't find my physical copy, so I had to go off uh, the, digital. the digital. But yeah, yeah. no, the the covers like 
I like I said, I love Mike Allred's art, and it's I, yeah, it's Allred and it, Mike and his wife Laura, yeah, both work on him. Like I like the uh, the the first uh, was it number five. Just give me a second. I got to bring that back up here. Five was the Sandman cover. Yeah, yeah. the Sandman cover. That one is, pr- as far as Allred's art, I think that's the best one he's done. Because it really kind of evokes some of the art. If you've ever read his Madman comics, this, right. this is straight up his thing. The Bookworm one I love because, like I said, well, of course his headquarters is going to have piles upon piles of books. Uh, I think my least favorite is the number seven, the false face, with them crawl, crawling up the false face face of Mount Rushmore. It's, yeah. it's just kind of, and it's it's a play on the whole. You know, them climbing up the side of a building, you expect a window gag to happen, which it doesn't. Yeah. Honestly, I, I, I dig the King Tut cover, you know, despite the fact it lied. Because I wanted to see the bat. Come on, man. What would have been cooler? Just Batman and Robin in ancient Egypt or Batman and Robin in ancient Egypt with the bat boat? That yeah. would have been charging down the Nile after King Tut and his men. That would have been awesome. I you know I I don't mean to knock Mike and Lauren Mike and Laura Allred they're amazing cover artists I just found these four issues to be very bland uh, you know I I don't know you know I, I I look at these four issues and I see nothing but and it's not the art it's not what they do with the characters on the page or how they incorporate it's the colors. I get it. Books have to be brown or brown and white or whatever else. But the the green background could have been something else, or the green background on the King Tut could have been something else. Now looking at now, I'm just gonna walk through these really quickly because I know you don't have them pulled up. Mm-hmm. I actually have the covers for nine through twelve. I believe it's nine through twelve. Yes, nine through twelve. Uh, number nine is um, Batman and Robin. Their heads with uh, someone swinging above them, uh, with someone's boots with S on the heel. Number ten is uh, them versus Mister Freeze with um, the bat uh, jet ski. I guess you could say. Uh, number ten is no number eleven. I'm sorry. Number eleven is the Joker, Batman, and Robin. Everybody and Batgirl, kind of like flipped upside down. I love that cover. Uh, and number 12 is the dynamic duo inside the Batmobile that is covered with a bunch of playing cards. So these four covers for the next time we'll do these, this, this bat 66 review nine through 12. I love them. Well, I'd say nine, not so much, but 10, 11 and 12. Absolutely love them. But these here five through eight, they're just not doing it for me. Just blah. Yeah, pretty much. No, it's and that's fair. Like, you can't please everybody all the time. <laughs> so, but no, uh, the one thing I don't for those that may have may have not heard, I think this would be a good place to mention this is the '66 mm-hmm. series is gonna get released on DVD and Blu-ray this year. Yep. And I know Mike posted about this on Facebook a while back, and I'm fairly certain I post that as well. And I think we both saw that and squealed like the 12 year old fanboys that we became when we read that information oh yes uh having the 66 series on dvd finally after all this time 
is absolutely awesome and amazing. Hell, I've got two um, copies of the Batman movie on DVD, and the from what I've read in the rumors on, mm-hmm. on this thing is that is supposed it's it's the the I know it's supposed to be included in the set, but more than that, it's rumored that it's going to be included in the set and placed in the disc, uh, like the continuity of the show. So you'll oh sweet. So it'll finish. I think what is it that happened between season one and season two? So it'll go like season one, then they'll have the movie and the discs, and then season two and onward. At least that's right. the rumor. So very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, you know, I, I'm super excited for the '66 series to be on DVD as a, and see, this is what this is what excites me about it to have it on DVD as a complete series, and not just oh, we're gonna release season one, two, and three first. They're doing it the proper way, putting out a complete series first, and then what they'll probably do is go back and put them on cheaper, uh, not single season want, sets. Right. When when I say cheaper, I don't mean cheaper as in bad quality. I mean cheaper as in lower cost. Um, you know, will I get it right away? No, probably not. Um, but the only time I've actually ever been able to see the series recently is here in uh, Kentucky. We have um, our main channels, like our CBS affiliates and stuff like that. They have a... Uh, they have uh, like second and third channels. They have a channel called Me TV. Okay. Um, and I've been able to see it on that. And I know for a while there, they were showing it on the Hub Hasbro's channel. I don't know why they stopped. Maybe the maybe the production deal or the the, the not production deal the the feature deal to have it on the Hub. Maybe that ran out. Um, but um, I did see the. Um, You'll probably know the episode title before I even finish saying this. But I don't remember what the title was of it. I remember seeing uh, recently, I would say last year sometime on MeTV, the debut of Barbara Gordon and Batgirl, where she's like, Alfred, you're not going to tell anybody, are you? No, ma'am. I would never do that. You know, I love that episode. That episode is so great. Yeah. And if you go on YouTube, you can find the actual... Uh, like with the pilot, because mm-hmm. the, they're originally they shot this, uh, the, and this is like one of the earliest known examples of a spinoff. They were talking about spinning off a Batgirl show, yeah. And there's like the original pilot that they shot for that. Uh, that's available on YouTube. You can watch that, and then there's also the I think you can also find the episode where Killer Moth uh, tries to hijack the Gotham library and Batman and Robin show up and then Batgirl saves them. And it was just a lot of fun. Yeah, it was the whole 66 series on a whole looking back on it. And it's not even me looking back on it with nostalgia glasses or anything like that, because it's been a long time since I've seen the series. I just know what I like about it. I love the narration. I love that, you know, same bat time, same bat channel and, and how, um, he'll have to say what his name is again because I forget off the top of my head. Desmond um, Doomsday. Yes. I love how he narrated that show. Um, I love Yvonne Craig as Batgirl. That Batgirl outfit is by far one of the best Batgirl outfits ever. Um, 
And, you know, I, I really did enjoy Adam West and, and Burt Ward as uh, Bruce, uh, Wayne, and, and Dick Grayson, Batman, uh, Dick Grayson, Batman, and Robin. Um, all right, so coming up next uh, here in Batman Month, uh, celebrating 75 years of Batman, as I said at the beginning of the show, it's going to be Steve Megatron and I uh, talking about the first four digital chapters of Beware the Batman. Where can the people get in contact with you if they would like to, sir? Uh, just p- follow me on Twitter, at JT from Saskatoon. You can follow at GeekCast Radio for all the other network updates, and you can also follow me at TFG and Mike. And for now, make your great escape into comics, and we will catch you next time. You've just heard the latest episode of The Pull Bag, the GCRN's comic review and discussion podcast. There are several ways to get in touch with us and leave feedback for the show. You can visit the website, geekcastradio.com, where you can comment on the episode in all of our different podcasts. You can rate our show on iTunes. Be sure to leave us feedback. Call the voicemail line, 502-526-5821. Please remember to tell us the show you are leaving the message for, and your name. Become a fan of us on Facebook by searching GeekCast Radio Network. Send us an email feedback at geekcastradio.com. Follow us on Twitter at GeekCast Radio. So until next time, make your great escape into comics, and unleash the geek in you.